stop now. If you haven't listened to part one of our March Madness podcast here with me and Clay, go ahead and stop now. Go listen to the first half on his side. Save this episode, keep it downloaded, and then come back and pick up from here. We went through a little bit of philosophy on how to pick a champion, and then a couple of the we went through the first two regions on that side as well. So we're kind of picking up halfway here. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Clay, thanks for joining. Uh, we're going to break down on this side, the Midwest region with the one seed being the Houston Cougars. But before we dive into to them a little bit, let's start with the fun part, the first round upsets. So Clay, are there any big upsets that you like in this region for the first round? Yeah, it's funny. This is actually kind of, you know, we like I said, go listen to the first part. Your upset, your upset region was kind of the South. This is kind of my upset region where I think we could see uh, some of those higher seeds or lower seeds, I should say, kind of make some noise because I think both four and five seeds are extremely vulnerable here. <laughs> Miami is very guard heavy. Uh, they don't have a lot of size. And I, Norchad O'Meara, their big man, is kind of questionable right now how much he's going to play. So Drake obviously is a big upset pit. I think a lot of people are going to do that. I actually really like Miami. They played really well against Duke uh, in the ACC tournament and almost won that game, who we are very high on. So I actually think Miami is going to win this game. My big upset pick is, is and you laugh, so maybe you disagree with me completely here, but I actually have Kent State uh, upsetting Indiana. I, I think they're very top-heavy in Trace Jackson Davis and in uh, and Jalen hood Shafino. Indiana hasn't been here in a while. They don't know really know what it's like to play in a tournament. And I think Kent State is for real. We talked about some of these other teams that are just good teams. I think they're a genuinely just good team. And they have a star player and point guard sincere carry. Um, so that those are the two kind of higher seeds that I have on upset alert. I also think the 11 and 10 seeds in Penn State and whoever wins those first four games are going to win as well. We can kind of maybe get into that. I won't hit them, hit you all at once, but I do think there is a possibility for some upsets in this region. Yeah, I definitely want to save that A&M Penn State game for a little because I think I think overall it's a good game and an interesting game to talk about. But I, I the reason I laughed is because I have both of those. I have Drake advancing to the second round. I also have Kent State advancing. You know, it was hard for, to after all Miami did for us last year for me to go against them, but I do think Drake is a good team. Tucker DeVries is by far their best player. He's a 6'7 guard. He's averaging 19 points a game. Uh, Kevin Connors mentioned recently he thinks that uh, his dad, the head coach, by the way, Darian DeVries, which explains why Tucker is there and because he's so good, could be on the move as a head coach in this offseason, obviously as a package deal with his son. So I would be on the lookout for that later on. But he's a great player. I think he presents a difficult size mismatch for Miami, like you said, with smaller guards. Miami can light it up. They can score very easily. So Miami is not by any means just a, a dead five seed, but I like Drake a lot. And then I'm not going to talk too much about Kent State because I feel like you hit on everything that, that I was feeling. I think Indiana is kind of vulnerable, and Kent State's certainly one of the better lower seeds in this bracket. So I like Kent State a lot there as well. Now, obviously, I want to get into a little bit of something here because I think this is a good example. My thought process when I'm filling out a bracket is I'm trying to get literally every single pick right. Now, that's impossible, right? I don't actually think I'm going to get every pick right, but that's the way I approach it. If you are trying to win a pool or win a four-person competition with your family, 
picking a 12 seed and a 13 seed to face off against each other in the second round is probably not a very good idea because that means that team has to win two games in a row to get on to the Sweet 16. And there's a decent chance you're going to be missing out on those points. And if you do miss out on those points, most everyone else is going to get those points because they're probably going to have the four or the five seed moving on. So Clay, I like you can talk a little bit about what your bracket philosophy is cuz I'm I'm kind of a purist in that. I'm I only fill out one bracket. I'm trying to get it perfectly right cuz I just think that's the most fun thing to do, but you could definitely make an argument that a 12 and 13 matching up against each other is not a smart idea if you're trying to go win a win a pool. Yeah, I wouldn't say that's the smartest idea, although we've seen some of that in recent years where both the upsets have happened in the same subregion. I, I'm actually doing what you're doing for this year. I'm normally a multiple bracket guy. I'm not a crazy 25 or anything like that, but I am trying to be the purist this year and just do one because I think it's more fun when you are able to kind of dive into those matchups and settle on one team. Uh, and I, I'm going to try that this year. But as far as I think it's more important to try to pick those later rounds. And that's why I'm so big on like which mid seeds are going to kind of make a run. And last year I was on Miami, and I'm I'm I can't quit them because to me, other than the Norchad O'Meer injury, you can't tell me that they're not playing well right now. They they played really well, and he got hurt in that Duke game. And I think if he's healthy, that game might they might win. So I as much as as good as the Vries is, I'm still on Miami. But I think you're exactly correct to have those two games as your upset because it definitely could be Drake uh, sitting there with Kent State in in the next round. So yeah, I think we're very similar on the bracket philosophy, but I think we're gonna kind of kind of get in kind of these mid seeds here in a minute as well. In this bracket, uh, that's where you kind of make your money with those points. Yeah, and that's why it's risky, is because now I'm gonna have Drake facing off in a Sweet 16 game, but that's just how that's how I like to do it. So now I think this bracket might have the most interesting seven, ten, and eight, nine games with Texas A&M facing off against Penn State, and then Iowa facing off against Auburn. I think Iowa-Auburn is probably the worst of those two games, but I think it's going to be a cool environment um, with with those two teams and could f- set up an interesting matchup in Birmingham the next week. If Auburn wins that game, they're going to be playing in Birmingham against Houston at the same uh, setup where Alabama will be. So you're going to have all these Alabama fans there for their game, cheering against Auburn, probably cheering for Houston, which would create a really cool environment. But We'll start with the A&M game versus Penn State. Penn State, a team that made a good conference tournament run, kind of unexpected, and an A&M team that also advanced to their conference championship. So what are your thoughts on this matchup, and who, who do you think comes out on top? Man, this is tough because I, I do think Texas A&M was undervalued by the committee. I think this is a really good team, but I really think Penn State matches up well against them. I, I just saw Alabama – kind of exploit Texas A&M's weakness and that they have some slower big men that aren't that big. And so if you have a spread it out offense, they can get lost sometimes, especially Coleman and Marble. And then Penn State has the guards to knock down threes. And also they have a superstar in Jalen Pickett. So they've won like 10 out of their last 12 games or something like that in a tough Big Ten. I I have Penn State here, and it's not because I don't believe in Texas A&M. I just think Penn State is is really hot right now, and they kind of have the matchup, especially three-point shooting, to kind of give Texas A&M a run. Yeah, I think think this game's pretty much a toss-up. I I did pick Texas A&M. To me, one thing I did not do well last year, and part of this is because I tune into college basketball about mid-February. I'll admit, when football's going on, it's difficult for me to fully engage. So 
when I'm tuning into college basketball, it's going to be around that time of the year. I'm not going to have the full season picture. And I think last year, because of that, like I loved Iowa last year. Well, what did Iowa do? They went and went, went on a run in the conference tournament. And so that's all I'm seeing of them. I'm going to try to avoid that mistake here with Penn State and go with the team I think that has been a little bit more consistent throughout the year. I think A&M is good enough defensively where they might be able to give Penn State some problems with kind of Penn State plays a really weird style offensively. Like they're, you know, their best player pick it kind of just like backs his way down as a guard into the paint and then they kind of kick they kick out the shooters. Um it, it's a really fun style, it's an effective style, but I think A&M is good enough defensively where they can hold it off and I'm trying to not overreact as much to to what I've seen in the past couple of weeks. Now, at the same time, you know, we've already talked about on your episode, I really like Duke. There's some other teams I think are peaking at the right time. But yeah, Penn State, I I, I think they're a really good team. But like you said, A&M feels underseeded to me, and I think they're good enough to get this game. So now let's go into that other 8-9 game with Iowa and Auburn. Uh, Auburn, kind of, a, kind of just a meh year for them, not great. Iowa, a team that is great offensively and can't defend at all. So what are your thoughts on the 8-9 matchup? Yeah, this is interesting here. Um, this Auburn team, to me, is not that different from last year's Auburn team, except they don't have Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. And they replace them with Johnny Broom and Jalen Williams, who, to me, are uh, definitely, obviously, not as good as both those players are now doing pretty well in the NBA. I really think this comes down to how well Auburn is able to make shots because I was going to score, man. I mean, Auburn's a good defensive team. They put a lot of pressure on the ball. I watched them turn over Alabama a ton. But I was too good on offense, and they have Chris Murray, who is pretty much just discount Keegan Murray. They're going to put up 70 to 80 points. And so it's going to be on window green and Katie Johnson to make a lot of three-point shots and to be able to put the ball in the basket. And this is no Alabama bias here. I, I do think Auburn has a good chance to win this game. I, I just think at the end of the day, I trust Iowa a little more than I trust Auburn. Yeah, I'm there too. I just think all, Iowa has the one thing I can trust in more. Now, also, they are – they're like I can't overstate how bad they are. Like They're 167th defensively in the country, but they're third offensively. They're kind of just like bad Baylor – Almost like their their offense is great. The defense is bad. They've got guys that can knock down threes for sure. And like you said, if I can rely on anything, it's Wendell Green missing a late game three to eliminate Auburn from the tournament. So I, I like I win that game, but certainly like every single eight, nine game, you know, it's, it's going to be a close matchup. So are there any other upsets that you have in this first round or are we good to kind of move in, move into the next round? Well, yeah, I actually do have one more, but just to, to kind of quit, I think whichever way you lean in the 8 9 17 game, I think it's okay because I think those matchups are just going to be fodder for the next team. You can make an argument A&M could give Texas some trouble, but I am definitely more, I think Houston and Texas are legit, and so I, I would kind of be like, well, whoever you pick is going to get beat by that, that next higher seed. The other upset I have is whoever wins this game tonight, which will start by the time we, we are finishing recording, I think has a good chance to beat Iowa State. Every year there's a team from this first four that goes on a run and wins some games. Unfortunately, last year it was Notre Dame who had a really good first game and then beat Iowa State. So I'm going to be watching closely tonight to see how these teams look because I don't have a lot of faith in Iowa State. They also have some internal problems in the program. They had to kick off one of their greatest, their best scores, and I don't really trust them as much, although they did, did just beat Baylor. So 
I'm kind of leaning. Obviously, I'll have to see who comes out, especially if it's Pittsburgh who can shoot threes really well. I um, think they could give Iowa State some trouble. And even if not, Mississippi State is physical and tough, and Tolu Smith could dominate them on the inside. So that's my other upset kind of here in this bracket. Yeah, I think Iowa State's a very vulnerable team. I, I don't love either of those 11s, so I couldn't get myself to do it. But I agree. Like I think if you like either of those teams, that, that's a very logical pick because I, I don't think Iowa State is a team that I trust very much. And I think that kind of leads us into the broader discussion of this bracket, which is, you kind of already mentioned this, I just feel like there's two teams in this bracket that are a lot better than everybody else, and that's Houston and that's Texas. And I think we should talk about Houston a little bit first because they've had an issue now with Marcus Sasser tweaking his groin. It seems like he is going to play, and even if he doesn't play in the first round, it's probably okay, and by the time they need him back, they'd have him. But it's certainly an issue, and that's one of those injuries that I think could continue to pop up over time. I don't know that he just gets back out there and all of a sudden the re-injury risk is zero. So what are your thoughts on Houston and Texas? Do you, do you have Houston and Texas in your Elite Eight? And, and you know, Or if not, who, who else do you have in that matchup? I do have Houston and Texas, and, and it was funny as I was filling it out, I, I just, every time I got to them, I was like, oh, Houston, oh, Texas, and it's like, man, that was that was too easy, but like you said, it's really just, I don't see any of these teams posing that much of a threat, especially if Houston does have a healthy Marcus Sasser, their style of play always wins in the tournament, and I don't see any of those teams on the top half really challenging them, and as Texas goes, I already mentioned the, the previous two Big 12 champions, They've gone on to win the national championship, and Texas is playing really good right now. They have two guards in Marcus Carr and Tyrese Hunter that win you games. I really just think as much as good as Xavier is on offense, we haven't really talked about them. I just think that Texas and Houston is, to me, the pretty obvious Elite Eight matchup. Yeah, I like Xavier, but I just feel like Texas is way more athletic right. than them. Their guards, like the one of the best names in all of college basketball, Serge Ibari, Rice, he's he's a really fun player along with, you know, other guys like Marcus Carr. I, I think Texas is just too good for Xavier. And that, you know, that ends me up with just Houston and Texas there. And, you know, we'll kind of get into our final four later. We can talk a little bit more about that matchup later on. But is there anything else in this region that you, you want to highlight before we move down into the West? I just think it's going to really come down to in this one, like, who is able to score against Houston and Texas, that's really going to be the difference in this region. That's the only way you're going to beat these teams is, is like Xavier gets a huge game from, from Colby Jones, or I don't know how to pronounce his, his name, but his last name is, I guess, Boom from Xavier. It, it's going to have to take kind of a, a heroic performance because I think those teams overall are just head and shoulders better. And so not really a specific matchup there, but I think we kind of covered it. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's, you know, maybe the maybe the best potential for an upset is one of those seven ten teams against against Texas. But like you said, I think Texas is a really is a really solid team. So not a little more chalk there for us in that region. So now we'll move into the West. And the West to me is I, I think the West is the deepest region that we have. There's not really a any team that I look at in the maybe the top eight or nine seeds that I think is fraudulent. And maybe you disagree with that, but this to me is my least fun region that I have. I don't have a single team higher than 10 advancing to the second round. So do you have anybody that you want to highlight as an upset 
in this bracket because I just, I could not find anybody that I really liked. Yeah, the the one upset, maybe this is a sucker, a sucker pick because they are the buy, the BPI projections, they have the highest percentage to upset is VCU over St. Mary's. I I just have a hard time trusting St. Mary's in the tournament. They never seem to do well. They might win one game they did as they did last year. I just think VCU is kind of a good antithesis to them because they pressure the mess out of you and it's not like St. Mary's is known as for their athleticism. So it's really going to be who can kind of which style is able to defeat the other there. So I do have VCU over St. Mary's just because I don't really trust them. But like you said, besides that, it's it's really tough to kind of pick an upset just because these 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 higher seeded teams seem to be the strongest out of any region. Yeah, and I I think that's I think VCU is a pretty live live dog there. I just have a really hard time picking against St. Mary's after the massacre they put on Indiana last year in the first round. They seem like a team where like when they're better than you, they're able to to prove that pretty quickly and dominate. Now, I could definitely be basing that way too much off one game, but I really liked Indiana last year as an upset against St. Mary's and got burned by it. So I'm not going to do that again this year, but I think VCU, like you said, is a good team. They pressure, so that could present problems for St. Mary. I, I do think that that is the most likely upset out of the, the options that we have. So now let's go ahead and get in to, well, actually I take that back. I want to talk a little bit about the Arkansas Illinois game because these are two teams that I think people think have way more talent than they actually have shown throughout the year. Arkansas, they've had some injuries. You know, Nick Smith has been in and out of the lineup throughout the season. They've got the two freshman guards there with Anthony Black. Illinois, similarly, pretty good talent on that roster. Seems to have underachieved. Both those teams feel like if it all clicked, they could go on a run here in March. But what are your thoughts on that game? And then do you think either of these teams has the potential to to actually go on a run and maybe beat Kansas? Or do both these teams kind of just, you know, get through the first round and continue to disappoint like they have throughout the season? Yeah, I definitely uh, kind of lean towards the latter. Uh, I have not been impressed with either team because every time it seems like they have a little momentum, they disappoint in big games. You you kind of talked about St. Mary's kind of proves that they are the better team if they're playing an inferior one. These teams seem to shrink if they are playing a better one. Like They they just have no hope. And the inconsistencies with their players, I think, are glaring. Like Matthew Mayer... Uh, Coleman Hawkins, they don't show up in, in clutch. Arkansas is the same way. Nick Smith Jr. is definitely good enough to carry, but those other guys, Ricky Council, Anthony Black, they always seem to kind of shrink when they play better talent. And so that game is a toss-up for me because I think if you put either of those teams in any other of the 8-9 matchups, I'm kind of favoring them in that one. But against each other, it's, man, it's it's tough. I have Arkansas just because I trust their guys a little more and I like Nick Smith's upside more. But I do think Kansas is just going to be – it's going to be more consistent than either of those teams in the next round. Yeah, I'm 100% there. I mean, I have Arkansas the same way. And originally, like, when I filled out my bracket the first time through – I, I picked Arkansas to upset Kansas. I was like, oh yeah, like Arkansas, like they, they're a pretty good eight seed. Like they have the potential. And I mean, the numbers kind of back that up, right? I think right now they're 20th in Ken Palm. So for, for a, 
an eight seed, like obviously pretty underseeded relative to their performance throughout the year, but I just can't trust it enough. And especially when you're gambling on a team to when when you're picking a team to beat Kansas, that's multiple rounds now that you're hoping that they, you know, give you points in your bracket. So if you're making that gamble of them going multiple rounds, you, I think you have to at least be confident they can win the first game. And and I don't think that's the case. Like, I think there's a really good chance Illinois just comes out and beats them. So, yeah, like you said, I, I also have Kansas advancing there. Um, I, I like Arkansas more than Illinois, but, yeah, it's certainly not not by much there. So, now let's, let's go ahead and go down. Let's talk about Gonzaga and UCLA because I, I'll, full transparency – I really struggled with this bracket. Like this bracket took me probably longer to do than the other three combined. I think all four teams at the top have a legitimate case of getting out of this region. And maybe you have somebody else outside of that as well. But talk to me about Gonzaga and UCLA. We have UCLA being banged up with injuries. Gonzaga seems to be maybe peaking at the right time. Who do you think gets out of that bottom half of the region? Is it Gonzaga? Is it UCLA? Or or is it even somebody else? Yeah, I think this is a really good area to focus on. You know, I told you before we recorded earlier today that I had kind of filled it out quickly and I was going to go back and review. And this is where I had the most changes because originally I had TCU beating Gonzaga and then facing UCLA and UCLA kind of making it to the Elite Eight. I went back and thought about it and I was like, you know, Gonzaga is so talented on offense. They have Drew Timmy. I just think I like them better in the tournament. And then I got to think about UCLA, and I was like, man, they're banged up right now. They can't score to save their life. And I'm kind of just giving them the benefit of the doubt because I've seen them in the tournament and those, you know, Jaime Hawkins, Tiger Campbell, we've gotten used to them on our screens. But Gonzaga can score. And I just think at the end of the day, I trust what I know on offense rather than what I think on defense. So I have Gonzaga over them just because I'm not really sure where UCLA goes if Hawkes isn't just on fire. So I kind of lean Gonzaga there. Yeah, that that's really funny because that's like exactly what. Like I also picked TCU over Gonzaga. I was like, okay, TCU. Like I just feel like when I watch TCU, they just seem stressful. Like they just induce chaos. It feels like they're pretty athletic. Like just loose balls going all over the place. But I just don't know if they're skilled enough to beat Gonzaga. So I, I like you, I flipped back. I, I ended up with Gonzaga and yeah, like UCLA, man, it's really tough because I think there's a really good chance. I would have ended up with UCLA as my national champion. If Jalen Clark had not gone down with the season ending injury, but now they've lost their best defender. Their other top guys like Hawkes and Campbell, I don't I don't think you can rely on those guys. Even Hawkins is a good defender. I don't know that you can rely on them to shut down the opposing team's best player. And now with Adam Bona being questionable in the first round, you have some, you know, uncertainty there on how effective he's going to be throughout the tournament. I just have a really hard time betting on them to go far because of the fact uh, with with the injuries with them. I, I think otherwise they would have been one of the best choices for a national championship team this year. So just like you, I have Gonzaga beating UCLA in that in that Sweet 16 matchup and moving on to the Elite Eight. So let's go ahead now. Let's move up to the top part. Uh, I don't. I have Kansas and UConn matching up there. I think this is another really tough matchup, and I ended up going with UConn over Kansas. You know, part of that goes back to the formula we talked about over on your podcast with the top 50 defense, top 25 offense. UConn falls into that. I think they are a legitimate team 
that can go win the national championship. And we've also seen them play like a national championship level team throughout the season. It's just been a little bit up and down. Kansas had a little bit of turmoil at this point. McCuller is questionable with a back injury going into the tournament. So that's another uncertainty for Kansas. So I like UConn in that 1-4 game in the Sweet 16, but what are your what are your thoughts on that matchup, assuming that those are the two teams that you have playing there? Yeah, UConn is kind of the one team that we haven't talked about, and I have to be honest, I, I love UConn. I mean, we kind of talked about it on my podcast, you know, they're the one outlier of, you know, if they have eight or nine wins in the tournament, they can, they've proven as a university they can go win it all. You know, they started the season 14-0 and and then lost 6-8. of eight, And then since then, have almost been unbeatable again. And they barely lost to, to Marquette in the, in the Big East tournament, who I also really like. I don't know what happened for those two to three weeks that they, they stunk. But I'm telling you, they are a couple of games away from being a two-seed. And I think they are just as good as some of these other higher-ranked teams. So it's unfortunate for Kansas that they got stuck in such a you know tough region. But, man, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you right now, I have UConn going to the Final Four, and I, I just think they match up really well with Kansas because they have really good guards. They have an athletic uh, wing and Andre Jackson, who I think can really shut down Jalen Wilson. And then their big men are for sure better than Kansas's. So I, I'm all the way in on UConn, and I think we could definitely see a run that we saw from them in 2011-2014. Yeah, I'm I'm all in on them as well. I have them advancing out of this region. And, and for the reasons you mentioned, you've got two big guys of Sonogo and Klingon that I think are going to give Drew Timmy real problems if Gonzaga does advance to that matchup. And that's where you can get in a little bit of trouble. You know, if, if UConn goes and ends up playing UCLA, maybe the matchup is a little different. But based on the way that I filled it out, I think UConn has a really good matchup in that Elite Eight game and does move on to the Final Four. So I'm surprised that we agreed on all that in that bracket because I feel like most people will not end up with UConn and and Gonzaga but yeah I have to say like I I agree there and I think that's going to be an interesting uh, bracket for sure because I I think every single one of these top six top seven seeds well not not seven I don't know the Northwestern is that good but top six seeds is is a very good basketball team and is pretty accurately seeded where they're at so this is definitely the region that I have the least upsets going on in and that's I think why it's the hardest to pick now before we move on, there's one last thing I want to hit in this region, and it's the 13 seed Iona Gales facing off against UConn in the first round. Obviously, we both love UConn. We don't think they're going to lose, but I think a lot of people are going to be really interested in the storyline of that first round matchup with Rick Patino, head coach of Iona, facing off against UConn after Patino has potentially been rumored to be heavily involved in the search for the St. John's head coaching job. So it's almost like a pre-Big big East game for Patino if he does end up taking that job. Do you think Iona has any chance to make this game interesting? Because I know if it's close, the storylines are going to be great, but I'm not sure they can keep it close. Yeah, I think it's really unfortunate because the two teams that I would like to pick as an upset face the two mid-seeded teams that I like the most in Duke and UConn. I really yeah. like Iona and Oral Roberts, and Iona played Alabama a couple years ago, and I think they have a better team this year, and man, they played us tough. So I could see this game being close, but for all the reasons we mentioned liking UConn, this might be one of UConn's tougher games, to be honest, because I think their their next two games, 
well, obviously they play Kansas. It's going to be tough. But especially their next game, it might be easier than Iona. So I, I do think Patino's a really good coach. We know, obviously, I mean, he's he's been around forever. And I do think, you know, he could prove once again just how good he is going up against UConn. But like you said, I, I, I like to UConn too much to, to pick Iona. All right. So we've covered every region now. If you haven't listened to the other two regions, you should go back and listen to Clay's podcast, obviously. Now we're going to get into our Final Four teams. Go ahead, Clay, give your Final Four, and then just kind of talk through who you have advancing to the national championship and then who you've got winning it all. Um, I'll do the same, and then we can end off with a couple fun kind of questions to, to end off this podcast. Yeah, so we kind of, you know, got down to who we thought. I don't think we explicitly stated it. So I have Alabama in the South. And and like you said, I it's not homerism. I just don't see another team besides Arizona that could really challenge them. And we already mentioned their problems. I have Marquette in the East. Uh, Duke, you could tell me Duke's there, and I believe you, though. Houston, Texas, that's a tough one. But I, I just – I really believe in what Kelvin Sampson and Houston do, does in the tournament. And I have Houston. Once again, you could tell me Texas. And then I have UConn, as I've already mentioned. So Houston, UConn, Alabama, and Marquette. And then I have Alabama and UConn in the championship game. I'll kind of leave it open-ended if you want to wait to pick the champion. But I, that's my final four. It, it's hard because I, you want to pick that mid-seeded upstart team. I don't necessarily see one this year. UConn, I guess, is my version of that. And then there's always you know, a couple of one seeds. So Alabama and Houston are what I have. Yeah, I'm very close to that, which means we're going to be end up ending up pretty close in score and whatever pools we're in together. But yeah, I've got Alabama, I've got Houston, I also have UConn. The only difference I have Duke over Marquette in that Elite Eight matchup, so that's the only difference there. Uh, I again was you know I'm looking I was looking for like okay is there another higher seed I think has a chance to get in and Duke was where I landed there. I think they're a really good team that has a chance to peak in March. I think they've got a lot of different ways they can attack you on both sides of the ball, which I really like. I think they can be adaptable in multiple matchups. So that's where I landed with Duke. And then I have, I think probably unsurprisingly, I have Alabama and Houston facing off in the national championship. So now that we've gotten to that point, Clay, you can go ahead, give us your national champion. (laughs) Oh man. I mean, I have, I already mentioned I have Alabama and UConn in the national championship and UConn's already beaten Alabama by 15. So if anybody knows how to beat them, it's, it's UConn and you have Alabama and Houston who, have once again already played and Alabama beat Houston. So it'd be interesting if if what I have is your inverse because I have Alabama losing to a team they've already played and that winning this time. And I've tried so hard not to pick Alabama because everybody's picking them to the number one overall seed. But I just really like the makeup of this team. I, I just think take the name off the back of their jerseys. This is a team that has a star player, they have linked up front, and they have guards who can get by you. The one thing I'm scared about is turnovers, and at times, Sears and Bradley and Quinterly are so predictable. But I do think if Brandon Miller is as good as I think he is, they're the best team in this tournament. And you could easily tell me that Houston or UConn beats them, so please don't think I'm saying Alabama is definitely going to win because any of these teams could, could win. But I do have Alabama as the champion. I hate myself for it because it it's not going to be true. I'm just telling you right now, there's no way this is right. But I, I do think I like them as the best overall team. All right. I I have Houston winning. Fair. I, it scared the thing. I was like, 
pretty confident and I was going to pick Houston and Sasser went down. Um, I, I have enough confidence. He's going to get back and he's, they're going to be good enough without him. If he rests that they're going to get far enough where if he comes back, then they're going to be okay. But it still really scares me because there's a chance he tweaks this thing again later on and he's out. So it's obviously risky, but I think Houston is a, the best team in the country. I think that they've, that they're going to be the team that wins it all. I love Sasser just having the veteran guard that can control your offense. That's in that really is what ended up being the tiebreaker for me over Bama. Is I think Bama does have pretty solid guards, but like you said, you know, Bama fans know like Javon Quinterly not always the best decision maker later in games, and it's not just him. There the other guards as well sometimes struggle with that. So that to me is a weakness I think Houston can exploit. But like you mentioned. Alabama has the best player probably in every game they're going to play throughout the entire tournament. So I think if Alabama plays their best, I think they win it all. But it's going to be hard to do that throughout the tournament. I think Houston's, you know, maybe a little more of a consistent team. I really like their freshman forward, Jairus Walker, as well. He's a guy that you're probably going to see in the top 10 of the NBA draft this summer. So I'm going to go with Houston to win it all. I am now just putting all of my hopes that Marcus Sasser's groin can stay intact for six games. You know, it's funny you mentioned that real quick. I'll cut in because, you know, Brandon Miller is also also has a groin injury. Nate Oates said that he played through that in the SEC tournament. So it's going to be a battle of which star can fight through their groin injury more if that is the case. And that's that's just funny to me. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. I, I did not even realize that Miller was banged up. Maybe that gives me a little more confidence now in what I'm in what I'm doing. But yeah, I think like you mentioned, like it's the margins are so thin between between these teams. And I, I think there's a lot of other teams like UConn as well as a team that I, I really consider moving to the national championship. And then, you know, I think even the teams that, you know, we maybe wrote off, I, or I wrote off a little earlier teams like Arizona, um, you know, maybe UCLA, I think Texas is another team that could, could win a national championship this year. It, it's a pretty open group at the top, even if there is kind of a select criteria that you do have to meet. So it'll be interesting to follow that as the, as the tournament unfolds. All right, we're gonna, I'll do a couple quick rapid fire questions here and then we'll be done. First one, I tell you after the first weekend that a 15 or a 16 seed won. Who was it? This is really tough because I don't really like any of the 15, 16 seeds and I like the ones and twos, but my short answer is UNC Asheville because UCLA to me is the weakest team, even though they were probably a one seed before they lost in the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, Colgate to me is the best team, but I just think Texas is too good. So I'm going to go with UNC Asheville. Yeah, I think that's a good pick for me. It's either them or Princeton facing off against Arizona. I think Princeton's a pretty good offensive team, if I remember correctly. So I think they could give them some trouble, but I, I think I would also go with UNC Asheville just because like you said, UCLA has been banged up. Asheville's a pretty solid 15 seed. So I agree there. I don't think we picked any 15 or 16 seed upsets just because they're so hard to convince yourself of. But, you know, if you're somebody that wants to hit that 15 seed, I think Asheville might be the pick. And all right, last one. I tell you that an eight seed or higher made the final four. Who is it? Oh, man, it's really tough again to kind of project. I I think the closest I have is Memphis, so I'm going to go them. Uh, I'm going to say that if they can get by Purdue, that means they're good enough to beat Duke as well. And maybe they make it all the way to the Final Four. And they do have Kendrick Davis. The other one I will mention is, you know, we talked a lot about that kind of 7-10 Texas A&M Penn State game. If they can get by Texas, 
there's a chance. That's all I'm saying. If Texas A&M wins and they can get by Texas, there's a chance they can make it to the Final Four. Yeah, I think both those teams, like A&M or Penn State, would not be a great matchup for Xavier. So I think that's a good pick. But I, I think I agree with you. I think Memphis is the team. I like the way that bracket opens up for them if they get through Purdue as well. Uh, you're not, you know, you might be facing off against Duke, who's a good team, but it's beatable. And then I don't think Marquette is like the two seed to end all two seeds there. So I agree that Memphis is a pretty good selection there. I, I don't know. I mean, it's always so hard to guess who that team's going to be, but they, to me, seem like seem like the best pick at that point. Maybe a Utah. I mean, I really like Utah State, so maybe they could go on a run, but I mean, it'd be really tough for them to beat a team like Alabama. So that's going to do it for today's episode. Um, if you somehow got all the way through this without stopping and going to listen to Clay's podcast, you should still go listen to it now because there's some good uh, insights for the other two regions in there in more detail. Uh, but that's going to do it for today's podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, enjoy March Madness, and, and we'll catch you next time. Next time. <laughs>